0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Luke 24, verses 13 through 27. Luke says this, Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, "Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days?" And he said to them, "What things?" And they said to him, "Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up." <clears throat> To be condemned to death, and crucified him. <clears throat> but we had hoped that he was the the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart, To believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of Luke's gospel and for this picture that you have painted of what it looks like to be a couple of weary, discouraged, disappointed, and maybe even depressed, maybe maybe fearful travelers. It's these As these two disciples travel down this road, Lord, I sense and I feel like I find myself in their shoes. Weary, scared, discouraged, and even maybe confused. I imagine, Lord, that I'm not the only one that walks in this morning with some of those feelings deep within my heart or my soul. So Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would speak to us through your word, that you would meet us in the place that we are at in our journey, that you would come and just put your finger on some of those feelings deep within us. And that you would help to open our eyes to see you in the midst of our journey. Lord, we need you. We need to hear from you. We need to be challenged by you. We need to be encouraged by you. So God, I pray that you would come and do that now through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. So there have been many seasons in my life uh, where I've experienced grief and sorrow, despair and depression and hardship, seasons of my life where the road that I was walking felt like it was never going to end, or I felt like maybe... Every hope that I had had been crushed. Or maybe I felt like every expectation that I had set up maybe for my own life, life goals, whatever that may be, where I felt like this is headed in an opposite direction of where I wanted to head. I found myself walking through seasons of loneliness and discouragement and despair. I imagine that every one of you in this room, even if you're not walking that road today, that maybe you have experienced that in your life. Maybe you had expectations set up for yourself. Then you failed to meet those expectations. Maybe you hoped and wished that you would be at a different place in your life at your age. Maybe you wished that your marriage would be in a different place or that your kids would be in a different place. Your expectation was here and what actually happened in your life measured somewhere on the scale down here and you were left in somewhere in between there very discouraged or completely oblivious, Right? I think in the midst of those, those seasons for me, the seasons of sadness and depression and, and hardship and, and discouragement, like where I realize my family has not become what I wish we would become, right? Uh, where I realize that my job doesn't pay what I wished it would pay. Where I realize that at the end of the month, I'm still gonna struggle to pay the bills. when I hit those seasons and I become confused and bewildered, um, when it feels like my hope is crushed. I think it's in those seasons where what I need to catch the most and what I hope you guys would see too and that you would catch the most is the message of the gospel. That you would catch the actual point of the message of the gospel. I think in the midst of those seasons, right, of our lives, whatever those journeys have looked like for you, um, I think that what we need is we need the Lord to come and to remind us of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Because that message of Jesus' life His death and his resurrection trumps all other gospels, all other false gospels that you and I so easily and foolishly fall into believing like someone falls in a hole in the middle of the dark. It's easy to fall into believing false gospels. I want you to just think for a minute about the word gospel. Gospel. I oftentimes ask people, what is the gospel? You want to know what the most common answer is I get? It's the Bible. And in one sense, that's true. In one sense. In one sense, that's true. The reality is that the Bible communicates the gospel, right? And it may seem like maybe I'm warring on something that may not seem very important, but if my answer is just this simplistic, the gospel is the Bible, and that's my explanation. How easy do you think it is for me to fall into believing false gospels? Is, is there anybody in this room that knows this entire Bible word for word? So, so then really, what is the gospel then, right? The meaning of the word gospel is good news. That's one very simple way to explain when someone asks you, hey, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is good news. Oh, well, what's the good news then? That would be a natural follow-up question to that question, what is the gospel? And this conversation may cause some of you to feel really uncomfortable as we're having it, right? Right? Causes me to feel uncomfortable. The Apostle Paul, bounce away from Luke for a minute as we continue on this thread of the gospel, right? The point of the gospel. Why would I press this issue so much? I mean, if you do read the Bible and you read the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians is all about the message of the gospel and how Jesus is the point of the message of the gospel. Gospel means good news. It's not, hear me right. It's not merely the Bible. It is the message of the Bible. But but what is the point of that message? That when you and I arrive at the Bible and the message of the gospel, here's what we often do. We make ourselves the point of the gospel. What does Jesus do for me? What does the Bible say to me? What does the Bible mean to me? What is God going to do for me? What is God going to give me? We make ourselves the point of the gospel rather than Jesus. And so then what we do is, as a byproduct of that, is we begin to believe in false gospels there's there's enough bad news for us in our lives wouldn't you agree that the journey that you walk is full of enough bad news that that it's actually very hard for us maybe you disagree but I think that most of you would agree very hard for us to walk a single day without hearing some tidbits of bad news so then what does that do inside of us when we hear bad news right When you hear that your kid's grades dropped below what you expected. When you hear that your spouse let you down again. Uh, When you hear that a friend stabbed you in the back. Right? When you hear that someone close to you died. Right? Right? Bad news um, makes its way into our lives every day. You can't hide from it. You could go try to hide in a dark hole, I suppose, and pretty soon you'll be facing the bad news that you're in a dark freaking hole and you've got no air to breathe. So what would be the good news if you were in a dark hole and couldn't breathe? What would be good news to you at that point? What do you think? Somebody can answer me if you'd like to answer. Ventilation. Ventilation, right? Somebody digging you up out of that hole. That would be good news. It would be like brand new air to your lungs. You'd be happy, feeling glad, right? Sunshine. See where this is going? <laughs> love the gorillas. I, I don't know why, but I happen to love that gorilla song. <laughs> The point of all this is this. You and I were created by God. This is one of my fundamental beliefs as I read the Bible, is that you and I were created by God like sponges to naturally soak up good news. Like we were hardwired to thirst for good news, always looking for it. Like I can only watch Fox News for so long before I got to change the channel And look to CNN, or CNBC, or NBC, or any other news channel, right, at times, so that I can find some good news. There's got to be something good happening somewhere that will give me some cheer and lift me up. Ever, guys ever hang out with someone who all, all that they do, literally, all they do, the entire time you're around them is... One bad, depressing freaking story after the next, right? And what, what do you naturally want to do, most of you? You want to go away. Want to get away from anybody ever been that person? All of us, I'm sure, right? In seasons. We're all probably guilty of that. But why do you want to get away from said person who is only sharing sad stories? You imagine this story as we get into it here in a minute. Seven flipping miles walking in your flip-flops, right? Sharing this sad story over and over again. That's all it is. Kind of like Or anybody ever watch <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? He's the most depressing character i ever seen. He's the most depressing character on TV, right? Just walks along. Head down low, ears flopping back and forth. I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm your life freaking sucks. I'm so sad. Now now here's here's the opposite of that too. You get around somebody that's just like bubbly all the time, right? They got way too much freaking energy. Bad things happen in their lives and it's like, ah, screw it, no big deal, fine, good, right? You're like, you're chemically freaking imbalanced, go get some drugs, okay? Because life is happening and you're not even recognizing that you just cut your freaking arm off, hello, right? You got those friends too, right? Probably been there a few times, just totally freaking oblivious to the hard things that are going on and when your life spins out of whack, You're not going to go talk to somebody who is completely oblivious to pain and suffering, right? You want to go sit with someone who has experienced sadness. You want to sit down with someone who can have compassion on you, can empathize with you, can say, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, sis, I, I've had my hopes crushed completely too. That's who you want to run to, right? You want some encouragement. You want to be reminded, I, I'm not alone in this journey. That's what you want. So we are, we are hardwired, big point in all this, hardwired by God when he created us to be seekers of the good news. It's just the question for all of us is this. Where are you looking for good news at? Where are you looking for good news at? What do you think will actually bring encouragement to your life? I mean, let me ask this question another way. What do you actually believe you can pursue, or attain, or get? That will be life-giving to you. I just ask yourself this question. Fixate your mind on that thing. Let me say it this way. Fixate your mind on that thing, that person, that activity, that pursuit, whatever it is in your mind that you think, Man, if I just had that, my life would be better. Right? If if I just had this, my my life would be more bearable. If I just could do this. If if I could just get there, things would be I, we would be moving in the right direction, right? Now, now ask yourself without that, then what? Without that, then what? What happens in your life? How do you feel? What do you do? What do you pursue? What does your journey look like now? Like a seven mile journey of sadness? And look at this story with me. The first thing we see in this passage is two disciples that are walking along a road together, right? It's the very first Resurrection Sunday, the very first Easter. There's two disciples walking along this road between Jerusalem and then this town called Emmaus. Two disciples have just witnessed one of the most devastating events in all of history, right? Just witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, innocent man. (laughs) And they've even heard these crazy stories about Jesus' body going missing. Can you, can you put yourself in their shoes on that road? Just watching your friend get murdered, placed in a tomb, and then his body goes missing. You're wondering, hey, where's my friend at? Where is his dead body? Why did a grave robber come and steal him? And furthermore, there's some crazy freaking ladies who didn't get enough sleep last night and they're off their friggin' emotional rocker and they're saying they saw angels appear to them and that somehow he's alive, right? Put yourself in their shoes. Right in the middle of all that. This dude comes walking up to you in the middle of the road. Starts asking you questions. You don't recognize this guy? He just looks like somebody you've never met. Walks right into the conversation. You ever ever be doing that? Walking along, maybe in Walmart. I hate going to Walmart. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I thank you. That that right? Amen. I I hate going to Walmart. It's not that I don't love people, um, but inevitably, whenever I go to Walmart, my wife or my kids and I will be walking along, having a conversation, right? Daddy daughter time. Husband wifey time walking through Walmart, trying to get in and out as fast as I can. (laughs) Inevitably, I will see 15,000, well, 15 people, probably. (laughs) I was going to say 15,000 people. Well, you'll see 15,000 people there, it seems like. But inevitably, it's like I see 15 people that I know. And every one of them, I mean... God rest their souls. No, I didn't mean that. Um, every every one of them, as as kind as they are, okay. I'm being kind of sarcastic, just to be sarcastic and funny, but inevitably, what happens? So people come over, and they're like, "Hey, Joe! Right? Hey, Christy! Hey, kids!" And I, inside, inside, I'm like, "Oh, please leave me alone!" Right? So I get around the corner and get away. Um, and it's, it's me. This is not their issue. This is my issue. You ever have one of those days where you're just talking through the way the week went for you? <clears throat> and somebody just kind of jumps in the conversation like, hey, how you doing? What you talking about? Right? That's the way I see this conversation taking place. These two disciples are they're broken up, right? And Jesus kind of walks up. He's like, yo, what's up? <laughs> and it's like, Jesus, quit playing games, right? Like we're sitting on the outside of this. And they have no clue who he is. And as we're watching this, because we know the story, we kind of know where this goes, right? We, we've been singing about this. We've been preaching about this the last couple weeks. We know Jesus is alive. The text tells us their eyes just weren't opened to see him, and yet it's kind of just there. Sticking his finger in the mix and just mixing things up, right? Like even though Jesus knows every thought, every word, every emotion. Of every season of our lives. Like sometimes I think that we think this. Sometimes I think like when we go through our seasons, whether it be our seasons of wrestling with sin, right? Or whether it be seasons of sadness, depression, hardship, whatever it may be. I think that we somehow think that like, oh, Jesus is in this box over here. Like I kind of got him packed up tightly and I'm over here doing my thing and, and I'm going to get through this and then I'm going to go talk to Jesus later, maybe at church or gospel community or when I open my Bible or something. And I, and I think we just, we, we have this, we have this strange way of forgetting that Jesus is everywhere, like always present, right? Like for those of you that are here, when you struggle with pornography, you know where Jesus is at? Standing right next to you. Right? That's what he's doing. And I think he's weeping. But for those of you that just struggle with depression and doubt and despair and worry, saw so Jesus hasn't left you there in that. Right? Some of you have faced some really difficult seasons in your life, hard seasons, divorce, one person after the next. Where do you think Jesus is? It's right there. Steps right into the middle of that mess of our lives, right? But like, there's something that's a little bit scary about that, like, oh, crap, like, uh, Jesus sees everything. Like, even when I'm taking a shower, he sees everything? Yeah, I think he sees everything. Like, that's, that's he's God, right? Let's put this another way. That there's some comfort in this, too. If Jesus didn't see everything, then he wouldn't have seen those horrifying seasons of your life where sin or pain was inflicted on you. And for some people, they're like, if, if, if God saw that, then why didn't he stop it, right? Well, I don't know. I'll be really honest. I wish I knew the answer to that question. But for me, because I'm not God, I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know this. Well, I could spend the rest of my life asking, why did God allow that painful thing to happen to me? I could spend the rest of my life asking that question that only God alone could answer, right? I I could ask that. Maybe it's just the wrong question. Maybe I should should just sense a deep sense of comfort that God did see that pain in my life, that I I wasn't alone, right? And maybe I should just fight to hold on to that because that that feels like good news, doesn't it? Doesn't that feel like good news? Like God saw that. He, he knew that you weren't alone he didn't leave me he didn't forsake me I wasn't by myself he was here he didn't stop it I don't know why but he was here he empathizes with me he knows like there's some comfort in that for me because there's a lot of things that have happened in my life I assume all of you just can't explain right so though Jesus knows all things sees all things he's Still here, he still steps into the mess of our lives and shows us his compassion. In the midst of that, what he does is he kind of asks us to bear our souls to him. What do we have a tendency to do in the midst of pain and suffering? Hide, right? Pretend. Fake it. So we do. Jesus steps in the middle of that and says, hey, what's going on? That's kind of crazy because as he asks these two disciples this question, it actually stops them dead in their tracks. I'm not quite sure up until this point until Jesus asked the question. And and some of you have experienced that. I think we just had this conversation this week. Like that question that gets dropped where you're like, oh, crap. Did you just ask that question? (laughs) (sighs) Have you ever experienced that? Not from me, but from, from others? Where somebody's like, what's really going on? It stops you dead in your tracks and you realize, man, there was a lot more going on deep down inside of me than I realized. Like, Jesus is really good at this. Verse 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you've been having? It's kind of it's a funny way of word. what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad, That's what Luke tells us. Jesus asks the question that that brings their emotions and their feelings to the forefront. Like your feelings can tell you a lot about the condition of your soul, okay? My biggest encouragement to us would be spend a little bit more time putting words to what you feel and why you feel. Because it gives you a A real strong indicator, like a big fat freaking arrow pointing to the good news that you're seeking. But feelings are really important. They point you to what you're actually hungering and thirsting for. That's kind of what's happening with these two disciples as they're walking down the road. Jesus steps in and asks them a question that points right at what they're feeling. In the second movement of this uh, of this passage, uh, one of the disciples named Cleopas. Cleopas tells this very sad story. Right? Stories of our lives are powerful, powerful indicators of what's going on deep down inside of us. And in this case, in the passage, there's this disciple named Cleopas. Right? And what Cleopas does is he retells the story of what had taken place over the last few days. Uh, most commentators, as they deal with this portion of the scripture, they call this Cleopas's gospel. That's what they call it. This is Cleopas's good news, if you could say, but it's really bad news as you, as you look at it. It's actually a false gospel. I'll just let you know that from the start. The easy thing for us to do would be to read what Cleopas says and go, well, he just shared the gospel. And the answer is, no, he didn't. It actually falls terribly short. And any gospel that falls terribly short is not the gospel, right? He does share some of the major key points of the gospel, I will say that. Some of the major key points of the biblical message of the gospel. He shares the good news of Jesus' coming. That's good news that Jesus came. Shares the good news of Jesus preaching, the good news of Jesus doing miracles, the good news of Jesus being handed over to a religious crowd to be crucified. This is good news if you understand why he was handed over. Even shares how Jesus' body is missing and how the angels have said that he has been resurrected. Like all the basic points are there, but something is really wrong with the message, okay? Something is really wrong with what Cleopas is saying. The indicator that tells us something's wrong Verse 21, look at what Cleopas says. Listen to to his words. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Sounds like we're on a good track, doesn't it? As you read those words, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. There's something wrong with what he's saying. They do not yet recognize that Jesus is alive. Their, their, their hopes of redemption was not the same hope of redemption that the gospel gives us. The kind of redemption, or you could say salvation, that these disciples were looking for here, that they were hoping in, it was merely physical. Physical. They would not be sad. They would not have said, "Uh, we hoped that this Jesus would redeem us. They would be full of joy had they believed the true gospel. Had they actually gotten the point of the gospel, right? They would have been full of joy in these moments. They wouldn't have said, we had hoped that jesus would redeem us they would have said he's alive he's redeemed us we're saved we're justified there's there's nothing else for us to hope in right but they didn't say that it's not what they said it's it's a key oh it's so key it's so key for our own hearts They expected Jesus to redeem them from the abusive rule and reign of Rome. That's what all of the disciples were looking for. God, make everything right, right now. Fix my family. Make my sin go away. Bring my loved one back to life. Make my friend come back. Help my paycheck to get bigger. Bring me the husband or the wife that I've always wanted. They were, looking for, they were looking at right now. I had hoped that Jesus would do this now. Their hope was in a false Messiah. They knew more Bible passages than you and I. They actually walked with Jesus day by day, and they still missed it. In a moment, in, in, in just a moment, all of their hopes, all of their dreams... Everything that they'd ever craved, desired, wanted, longed for, expected, thought was going to happen, planned to make happen, look forward to. Whatever nuances you want to put on this, in one moment, their entire false gospel was crushed against the rocks of their unmet expectations. Ever struggle with unmet expectations? I expected this to happen. I expected that to happen. I expected this to happen. I expected her to do that. I expected him to act this way. I expected this to go that way. I expected me to be here now. None of that happened. Right? Mary, you ever had that day? <laughs> Where you go, and you know, I just expected to get up, get in my car, have it start up the first try and get to work on time. But instead, I got up, I cranked on it for hours, and the battery went dead, and I jumped the battery, guy and started, rolling to realize that the freaking tire was flat, and now I'm three hours late to work. Failed expectations, right? And that's, that's just one area that really is a pain in the rear. You can get past that one. What about, when you've, what about when you've dreamed about having kids and you can't and you try for years? The list can go on and on. Bad news is always right in front of us. The question is, do you believe the gospel? And is the point of your gospel Jesus or or is the point of your gospel you? You ever had that moment? You ever had that epiphany where you realize, crap, I think about myself so much that I became the point of my own gospel. All the good news in my life happens to revolve around me getting what I wanted. <laughs> you ever had that epiphany in that moment? That's, that's freaking crushing, isn't it? Are there at least two or three others here that have had that? Along with me, I'm, I'm not the only one, right? Okay. Can I just say this? When you had that moment, because I'm, I'm not beating us up for that, really. That's God's kindness to you. As painful as that moment was, right? That was God's kindness to you. If God never brought you to places where you were able to say, you know what? The point of my gospel was not Jesus. The point of my gospel was actually me. If he never brought you to that place where you realized that, then you would have to fear whether or not you're actually his son or daughter. Wouldn't you? Because isn't that God in his kindness as a father to say, "Hey, hey, Hey, the point of your gospel has been you for a long time and it should be me. Let me help you make it me. Like that's God's loving correction and discipline in our lives as he draws us to him. So those may be hard moments on this journey in the middle of this road when Jesus is asking questions. Which leads us into number three in the text, right? Third movement within this story. Jesus preaches the gospel. Like that's the question we all must ask oftentimes is when we, when we walk through these seasons and these movements, when we experience these things, what do we need the most? Well, Jesus' response to these two disciples is classic. But Jesus doesn't go into counselor mode, A. Jesus doesn't go into hide out passively and ignore it mode. B. Jesus doesn't go into drop religious bombs on their head so they stop mode. C. Right? He goes into preacher mode. He actually picks up the Bible to some extent, right? Verse 27. Jesus, beginning with Moses, all the way over here at this side, the front of the Bible for us, beginning with Moses and all the prophets interpreted to them in all the scriptures, catching what I'm saying here? Moses, all the prophets, and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. This is what Jesus does. This is his response to the sadness and the crushed hope. Doesn't give him a book, man, seven ways to overcome your fear. Doesn't give him a book, like 10 ways to walk in happiness instead of being depressed, right? Or maybe doesn't give him a book, like, hey, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, so get a life. I mean, it, it doesn't do that, Right? just preaches like that's what my heart needs to combat my self-centeredness that's what my heart needs to become more God-centered or gospel-centered that's what my heart needs to make war against the sin in my life that's what my heart needs to cope with the sadness and the crushed hope to to have heard Jesus preach this would have been fantastic What Jesus sees here is an opportunity to preach the gospel or the good news to these guys, right? And he does it by working his way through the entire Old Testament, showing how all of the written scriptures actually point to the good news of his own life, death, and resurrection. He makes it clear that if we and if they place their hopes and their trust if they try to feed that which is screaming inside of them with anything other than the gospel that points to Jesus, and they're foolish and they're unbelievers. That's what he says. You're foolish and you're walking in unbelief if you are feeding your fantasies with anything other than the gospel. You feed yourself with a gospel that points to you, you are foolish and unbelieving. So what 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 prayer should we pray at that point? What do we what do we do at that point? Here's the crazy thing. Where we end our text today, these guys' eyes don't open. I Originally, when I was preparing this, it's because of the commentator, right? I kind of follow along this one commentator in the way he outlines. And all week long, I honestly, I'll be be honest with you guys. Because for me as a preacher, I can't just bring this text home to the end of the story and show you what happens with these disciples and their response. Because we have to leave it here. I've wrestled all week. Like, how in the ever-living heck do you apply this and tell people now, get up and go follow Jesus? Right? How do you do that because it's not in the text? They're freaking blind. They don't know Jesus is standing there. They don't hear his voice. They don't know what to do. And and then it hits me this morning as we're driving back. Got up out of bed at 530 this morning and drive back here. As we're driving back, it just hits me that this is actually providential for all of us and for me. Let's just ask yourself, how many seasons of life do you walk through where you're absolutely blinded? How do you know you're not in that season right now? I think the deep prayer is that God would open our eyes. Open our hearts, right? Give us a new hope. Preach to us a fresh gospel, the gospel. One commentator makes it very clear that without the resurrection, there is no true gospel. Paul says this over and over again as well. There's no good news whatsoever. Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. Everything in this life is hopeless. If Christ has not been victorious over Satan's sin in the grave, if Jesus didn't beat Satan's sin in the grave, we are left with a momentary hope that gets crushed on the rocks of unmet expectations. The good news is this. When sadness stops you in your tracks when your hope gets completely crushed it's in those moments that you and I can be encouraged by the truth that Jesus is the point of the gospel number one let let me me try to lay this out for you in kind of a, a systematic way right in a way that hopefully applies this in a way that answers that question okay how does all this help me Number one, when sadness consumes you, try this. Try asking this question. Like, what's the story? Like, what's going on here? Like, what's, what's happening? And why am I so sad? Why, why do I feel sad? Like, when you get the call that the illness is terminal, right? Like, when your best friend stabs you in the back, when your marriage falls apart... When your bank account goes negative, when you lose your job, when, 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 when your children rebel, when your loved one dies, when you go to sleep lonely again, and when you struggle with that sinful parent again, when these things start to happen, and you start to feel sad, just stop and ask, what's the story? What's going on? Where am I at in the story right now? Am I like an hour in, five minutes in, near the end? What's happening in the story right now? And Why am I sad? Number two, when your hope feels crushed. When it just feels like there's no end in sight. When it feels like this is never going to end. When it feels like nothing is ever going to quench this thirst or this hunger that I have inside of me. Ask this. Ask, what expectations did I have? What expectations did I have that didn't get met? What good news was I looking for? What was I hoping would happen that didn't happen? And how does that point to trusting in a false gospel that has me at the center of it rather than Christ at the center of it? See, here's my, and here's my concern. Here's, here's my ain'ts deep down inside. Here's my, here's my concern. And, and I have to be the one to wrestle with this because here's, here's what I have to remember. The point of the good news for me is not you guys doing what I just told you to go do. Point of the good news for me is not you guys actually writing these things down and taking this carefully thought through process and this hard studied out process that I lay in front of you. The good news for me is not you guys doing that. Can I tell you what's gonna happen to me tomorrow morning when I go home this afternoon? You know what's gonna become the good news for me? Believing that you guys will actually take this stuff and put it to use. Are, are you following me in my own struggle? I'm not saying this to give you condemnation. I want you to see inside of my heart my struggle. Okay? I have to apply these questions to my life as well. I could never preach this system to you, this concept, this idea, if it wasn't actually right and true and biblical, right? And if I didn't apply it to my own life, I'd be a freaking hypocrite, wouldn't I? But do you, do you know how often I struggle with this, remembering this? Like I've written systems like this down thousands of times only to go home to believe in a completely false gospel to then have Jesus look at me and go, hey, you made yourself the point of that gospel yet again. Jesus is the point of the gospel. And when the wheels fall off the bus of your false gospels and my false gospels, what do we need the most? To be reminded, to be reminded that Jesus is Is the point of the gospel. So when your hope feels crushed, ask, What expectations did I have? What good news was I looking for? And I'll tell you this if you don't ever stop and ask these questions, you'll just continue headlong right off that cliff. Unless God stops you before you hit off that cliff. You got to stop and take the time and let your soul do work. Take that long walk for seven miles. Let Jesus drill these questions into you, right? That would be fantastic. Won't just walk out of here and just go back to pursuing that which you you were pursuing before you walked in here today. But the burden of accountability at this point is on you, right? To listen and to hear and to believe and to apply and to obey. But number three, number three, remember the point of the gospel been driving this one home all day long. You must remember that Jesus is the point of the gospel. You and I are not the point of the gospel because you and I are broken, okay? If if you and I or anything we want, and I say those words intentionally, chosen these words intentionally, if you or I or anything that we want, that goes all the way from a shoelace in your shoe to somebody in your bed tonight. If you or I or anything that we want, Is the point of our gospel, it's broken. It's broken. Your gospel is broken. There's no good news there. All those things will fail you. Thank God for his mercy, right, though, in the midst of this. Thank God for his goodness and his kindness. That even in the midst of us acting like grief-stricken, foolish, unbelieving children, that he still sends his son to die and the tomb is empty today. And what does Jesus do with these guys? I mean, he turns to the Old Testament. It's the final piece that we'll walk through is that, number one, just some practical things for you. Man, turn to the writings of Moses. Like in Genesis 22, Moses tells us the story of Abraham as he offers his son Isaac on the altar. This isn't just a cool story about Abraham and Isaac at the altar. This is actually the story of the resurrection and God's power over Satan's sin and the grave. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. Abraham is trusting in God to raise his son from the dead. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19 points that out to us. We learn that Abraham was a man of great faith. And his faith was in the power of God to resurrect the dead. Are any of you here that are dead? Is there anyone hearing this message whose heart is dead? Maybe he'd call you back to life right now. That's my hope. That's the hope I need to cling to, is that God would resurrect dead hearts in this room and bring you back to life and breathe new life into you. And if, and if he can do it with Isaac in the Old Testament, and if he can do it with Jesus in the New Testament, and if he did it with me in my life because I got hit by a truck on a motorcycle one day, he can do it with you wherever you're at in your story. The question is when will he do that, right? Right? Number two, you can turn to the writings of the prophets in the Old Testament as well. Man, the book of Jonah, the prophet. Will and I were talking about this this week quite a bit. The book of Jonah, the prophet. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. And dude spent three days in the belly of the whale, right? Maybe more clearly put, in the belly of the sea monster. And after three days, dude comes out alive, gets spit out on a beach. What's the first thing that dude does? Preaches the gospel of repentance. This is what people do who come back to new life. They stop preaching messages that point to themselves and all their wants. They start preaching messages that actually point to the power of the risen Christ over Satan, sin, and death. I say this every week. Why? Want to build a category for us in our minds. Where is Satan coming after you? Where has sin got a grip on you? Where is death dragging you down? Jesus died to beat that and came back to life. Powerful over that. Walk in that. Jonah (coughs) connects to Matthew. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 39, that um, this was the sign that he would give to a foolish and unbelieving generation. I will give you the sign of Jonah. People come up. Yo, Jesus, I'm freaking bored at church. Why don't you stand on your hands and do something cool? Cool. Jesus like, I got one sign for you. One sign. The sign of Jonah. And they were like, huh? What? And they didn't get it. All right? Even on the day when Jesus was resurrected, now walking down the road, even his own disciples were like, I don't know where his body is. We hoped this would happen. We're sad. Finally, number three. Um, in the Old Testament. Turn to the Psalms. The Psalms is a great place to see the resurrection of Christ, to see it foreshadowed. Psalm 16 reminds us that Jesus, the Holy One, will not be abandoned to the grave, but will joyfully enter the presence of God. Psalm 110 reminds us that Jesus will reign in glory at the right hand of God. The power of the resurrected Christ is foreshadowed in the writings of Moses. Moses in the prophets and in the Psalms. And, and, and when we see this, what, it, what it's meant to do for you and for me, it, it's meant to give each of us great eternal hope and joy in the midst of our struggle against Satan, sin, and the grave as we walk out those journeys of sadness and depression and despair and failure and hardship and difficulty and discouragement. It's meant to give us eternal hope and joy in the midst of that struggle. So to conclude, I would say this. And when sadness, for me, when sadness overwhelms me, when my hope is crushed by expectations that don't get met, what I need to remember the most, and what I think y'all need to remember the most too, is that Jesus is the point of the gospel. But there have been many seasons in my life where I have faced and experienced devastating grief, devastating disappointment, devastating despair, devastating sorrow, devastating depression, devastating loss, devastating pain. And in those seasons, in those many seasons when my hope has been crushed completely, against the rocks of unmet expectations in those seasons. The Lord has been very kind to me and very kind to lift my heart and very kind to remind me that Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection trumps all the false gospels of self that I so easily and foolishly fall into believing. Are you sad today? What's the story? Do your hopes feel crushed? What did you hope for? What expectations did you have? What good news were you looking for? You need to remember the point of the gospel. Our prayer is that we would all turn to Christ, who is the point of the gospel. When sadness stops you in your tracks... When sadness consumes you, when your hope is crushed, when you didn't get what you wanted, when it feels like this struggle for you is never going to end, I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind you to remember that Jesus, not you, is the point of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, you have been good to us. You have been kind to us. God, I pray that in these moments as we close in worship and as we close in communion, I pray that you would just work a a miracle of transformation and change on our hearts, that you would lift the hearts of sad people in this room and that you would give us joy in the truth of your resurrection. That you would bring healing and wholeness through the message of the cross, the broken body of Christ, the shed blood of Christ, that you would remind us that that was done because of your great love for us. Pray that you would do that and trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. Everybody said. You're listening to an audio message from The Well.